Hello all and welcome back to the Daily Fandom Podcast. Today we will be focusing on Thanos, the infamous big blue MCU villain. Today we will be focusing on Thanos's quest, Thanos's goal, his redemption if he has any, and who Thanos is. We'll be having a conversation with a few writers that write for the Daily Fandom. It's going to be Claudia, Kyle, and Brandon. We brought them on board today so we can all talk about Thanos and who Thanos is and deconstructing this, I don't know, big, huge, complicated villain that is Thanos in the MCU in both comics and the recent Infinity War introduction film. So we'll be talking about that a little bit today, and we're just going to hop right into it. So enjoy. This is a really long podcast, so play it in your car, listen to it a little bit, and let me know if you like it. We'll be doing another one coming up soon on Iron Fist, so please look forward to that. Uh, well, uh, as uh, Sharika said, I'm Kyle Scher, and I've been reading comics off and on for a very long time. Uh was the leader of my comic book society at my uh, university. My, my relation to Thanos uh, primarily comes from uh, Starlin's early work uh, uh, on uh, like Silver Surfer and Warlock, uh, and then moving into Thanos Quest and Infinity Gauntlet. My view on Thanos is a is sort of a play on uh, what the internet has termed the nice guy trope, where he's obsessed with death. He's obsessed with this one girl that won't give him the light of day, uh, and uh, and it's he's constantly trying to impress her, and she's not being impressed. Uh, and I, I think that's a very fascinating motivation for a villain, such a cosmic level villain who uh, just he, he's bigger than everyone. He's he's got this massive chin and he's got all this power. But it, in, in, by the time he gets the Infinity Gauntlet, he becomes godlike. He becomes onto a god. He becomes eternity and infinity both. And he still can't get this woman to love him. And I find that fascinating that we take such a big character and give him such a simple yet interesting sort of motivation and quirk about him. And uh, while I do enjoy movie Thanos, I think that bit is lost in the movies, which I was quite upset about because I don't enjoy movie Thanos as much as I enjoy comic Thanos. Yeah, very accurate. I agree. Um, I was very bummed that death didn't show up, but that's neither here nor there. Um, all right, so then Brandon is next. Hey, yeah, I am Brandon Daniels, and I have been into comics for a good while, but uh, I haven't really been reading them all my life. I kind of started, let's say, middle school, um, and my relationship with Thanos is, funny enough, maybe more much more different than Kyle's, but maybe more along the lines of what a lot of the general public was, where I saw him at the end of the Avengers movie, the first one, and was like, oh, well, because I, I had my little bit of comic knowledge, I was like, oh, I turned to my friends, I know who that is. That's a scroll, because he's got a real wrinkly chin. <laughs> and <laughs> and literally I go on in the internet and they're like, oh yo, that's Thanos. And I'm like, I oh I I was sorely mistaken. Uh, so immediately I, I start looking him up. I read his wiki, of course, because that's what you do when you don't have a 
thousands of uh, dollars for comics. <laughs> but uh, it, it was like, oh, cool. This is a, uh, a dude who's like super powerful, but I've never heard of him because I've grown up a little bit on the comics, but mostly just from the cartoons. So when I started hearing about how he like killed half the universe and, and did that all like because he was in love with death, it, it really, for me, kind of rocked me. And uh, I agree with Kyle that like, yeah, that's interesting and fascinating. But I will be honest, when I first heard about this, and remember, this is 10 years ago. So this is when I'm like, still like at that age of like 13. So I'm like, oh, I- I'm just starting to learn what relationships mean. So the idea of like, killing people because you're in love with a concept that's personified as a skull lady was not up my alley. And I just thought it was really silly. And uh, as time went on, I started to uh, appreciate his his devotion more and how scary he was. And I'm like, okay, this guy, he backs up what he what he says. So that's that's pretty dope. And uh, later when I saw him in the movies just recently, I actually really enjoyed his um, rewrite that they did for him, where instead of him doing it all for the like this obsessive love, he did it as like this altruistic gesture for the universe. And of course, it's a warped mentality. But I think that gives him, at least in my mind, a little bit more uh, maybe relatability. I don't know if I want to call it depth. It's just something, at least for me, I was able to immediately connect with. Whereas the other uh, motivation when I was younger it was really hard for me to understand why someone would would do that. But I guess that also lends itself to more uh, in-depth study. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Um, and then we're going to go to Claudia. Hi, I'm Claudia. I actually, I want to say I didn't start reading comic books till I was about junior year in high school. I'm not 100% on that, but like probably about junior year. And I kind of immediately nosedived into the Legion of Superheroes, which inherently requires then going in and learning about a lot of stuff. But it's also very much DC. So... As far as Thanos as a character goes, I've had pretty much zero interest in him. Never really cared, except to vaguely acknowledge, oh, look, it's Marvel Darkseid ripoff, which is true, but also not true. It was technically a ripoff of a different god at the time. But um, I actually didn't see Avengers, the new one, until very recently, as in about an hour ago, because I realized, hey, I should probably see that before I talk about and Sorry, that's goal. At this point, yeah. Well, I figured, I figured I should give it a chance. Uh, Josh Brolin is amazing, anyways. So, um, I can't say I have strong feelings one way or another, but I do have a lot of opinions about like, like there's the question of whether or not is his motivation of liking death really that deep, or is it just kind of weird? Because if you think about it, she's not even really a character for a good portion of the writing. Like, I've seen a couple of the comics where the way they wrote her was kind of interesting. And I do like that whole she's a nice guy. Or not he, she. He's, like, the ultimate, like, horrible, like, interpretation of, like, that nice guy trope. Like, that that really does stick for me in some ways. And But in other ways, like, there's just... It's, it's really hard, I think, in part because of the way he's been used in Marvel as sort of this, like, default big bad in a lot of their crossover events really wrap your head around like whether or not like he's a character or is he just you know cannon fodder bad guy for the next crossover yeah that's awesome i love how we have kind of all three different types of people here um that's amazing uh mine's a little bit more similar to brandon's um same thing happened saw him at the end of kind of like 
an Avengers movie and was like, oh, that seems cool. Or it was like Guardians of the Galaxy or something. I was like, oh, he seems cool. Let me find out about him because he might be of importance. And then he didn't show up for like six more films and then he got his own. Um, so then I could have easily just looked him up like two months ago. But um, yeah, I don't know. Thanos is a very weird, complex character in a weird way. Um, not in the sense that he's trying to like impress death, but in general, I like his comics and movies versions for what they are. I think they do each thing differently really well. Uh, his movie version is a little bit more millennial because it's a little bit more relatable with the time, especially like his view on why he wants to do it, which I thought was pretty cool how they did that. Um, but yeah, I don't have really like a long stand. I, I guess I'm in between everybody. I don't really have a long withstanding relationship with them, but it's indifferent. All right, so, um, <laughs> all right, whew. Uh, so we're going to get into the first question. Uh, so the first question is, it's kind of like a three-parter-ish. So what does the Infinity series say about godhood? A, is godhood still an interesting or at all relevant topic for the modern audience? And if not, how can it be, be reworked into something relevant? Or can the concept of godhood, especially in Thanos' case, be harmful for one person to achieve or want to achieve? And is there a positive way to look at the godhood that Thanos has or wants to be or wants to create, etc.? I don't, as a general rule, bringing characters into that sort of god space is a really bad idea. Um, it's not always a bad idea, and there's lots of stories that have been done with godlike characters. Our earliest human stories are about godlike characters, and all superhero stories are inherently, in and of themselves, about godlike characters. I think one of my struggles with really like enjoying Thanos sort of centric comics, though, is that there's sort of this focus on it as if that is at all something that, like, as an audience, we are going to relate to or be sympathetic towards. When really, when I'm reading a Thanos comic, it's definitely more like watching sort of a very old stage play where you're sort of watching these events transpire, but you're not really in the events that are transpiring. And that can be done really well, but it's definitely something that's very... If you think about more modern comics, like, say, Spider-Man being the kind of ultimate example, we definitely narratively, stylistically, have moved towards a type of comic that is much more involved with putting the reader into the story in some form. Whether there's an audience point of view character or whether you are the hero, you tend to be a little more incorporated. And in fact, the struggle with a lot of more powerful DC heroes, for, in for instance, is that they're not relatable. How do we humanize them? And so I think, yeah, I, sorry, I didn't mean, I agree with that. They kind of remind me of like a Shakespeare play. Yeah. And, and actually I, even Shakespeare though sometimes has these more relatable characters in it. Right. Like this is why I think even reading Thanos' stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, Warlock is cool because there's just something ever so slightly more relatable about him. Even when he's flying around as the embodiment of an alternate reality or whatever, like, Still, I'm kind of like, oh, that's cute that you helped Gamora out like that. And then immediately went crazy, but whatever, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a really weird space to have a character occupy. And I think because they never have him resolve that conflict because he's constantly pursuing this and he never like, like in the original story, when he achieves godhood, he is unhappy 
and that's supposed to be character development. But instead of like sticking, we keep revisiting, and it just it really hurts the ability to kind of enjoy some of these stories in the long run. I I, I agree mostly with that. Um, as a bit of a rebuttal, um, I uh, I I got a degree in creative writing, and one of my teachers, uh, especially in my first year, uh, used to uh, complain about the use of relatability. Uh, in stories and the idea that you can relate to a character because, uh, as she always said, is uh, taking Indiana Jones, you're not going out adventuring and looking at tombs and stuff, so you can't really relate on the exact level. You can sympathize with them. You cannot relate. That's what she would always tell me. I think that's a misinterpretation of what the term relatability yeah. should really mean in creative writing, though, because relatability often, like, no, you don't relate with Indiana Jones' career or his badass or your awesomeness. But, you know, you relate to the fact that sometimes he has a stressful relationship with his father and that sometimes yeah. things upset. Like, there's, like, little things in a character that really make a character come to life sometimes in a way that's meaningful for an audience. And I think oftentimes when we're talking about relatability, we're not talking about realism. We're not even talking about, like, sort of realistic expectations, right? Because grounding superheroes in reality is kind of dumb. Oh, but yeah. we are talking about giving them that one or two little things that sort of allow... You're right, relatability can be a bad word, but almost a, a slight moment of, like, connection between yeah. reader. Because, honestly, like, Darkseid, as an example, it, like that is not a character you can connect to. And he's not meant to be, but, like, really, you cannot connect to Darkseid. There's very little in that character there where you can go, uh. But, but Thanos does yeah. have that whole story with death, which is supposed to be that, but sometimes, depending on the writer, sort of borderlines into, like, unrelatability because it is so bizarre and yet yeah. at the same time it's probably his most relatable sort of aspect but uh I, I i kind of view it the way grant morrison talked about it uh he, he has this entire concept of uh the super god and how uh superheroes are really american mythology uh and uh when he talked about superman uh when he was uh he was in a documentary about all-star superman uh he put it that uh, Superman's just like us. We can relate to him any way we want. I mean, he goes out and he walks his dog. He's uh, but for Superman, walking his dog in, involves throwing a tree to the moon. You know, uh, it's just taking that very human idea and then ramping it up to eleven. And, uh, and Grant Morrison does an amazing job of godlike characters because he really yes. understands how to bring that godlikeness into the things that we love about those characters without compromising. Like, you know when people do that thing where, oh, he's all-powerful, so he can't fight anyone ever because it's boring? Grant Morrison doesn't care about that. Grant Morrison's yep. going to make everything interesting. And that is why he's an amazing writer. Actually, um, fun but uh, as far as the topic of godhood, as someone who is religious, I'm actually quite fascinated with the way uh, we interpret godhood uh, sort of uh, as a culture, as, as humanity, uh, how we keep reevaluating what Godhood means. Sometimes it's a blessing, sometimes it's a curse, sometimes they're omnipotent, sometimes they're the trickster God, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, 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 how humanity keeps viewing Godhood and keeps changing its definition, I always find very fascinating as someone who's religious and into religion. Uh, as far as in Thanos' case, what I find interesting is uh, he's a nihilist, uh, and he wants to become a sort of a godlike being to impress death, but his psychological 
need for failure. He always builds in this idea that he needs to lose. It's a subconscious thing because uh, he doesn't like winning. Uh, uh, that, that's something that's revealed in Infinity Gauntlet. And I find that interesting because his concept is I want to be God so that I can get with this girl. But at the end of the day, he doesn't believe he's worthy to be God. And I think that's a very interesting uh, way to play it is the villain that wants this but doesn't believe he's worthy of it. Yeah, no, I uh, agree with a lot of that. I think maybe I'm more in that camp, uh, Kyle, where uh, similar to what you were saying with Graham Morrison, as long as these characters have like a nugget of something that we can recognize, not even just relate to, but we can recognize, oh, that's, uh, like you said, nihilism. I'm not nihilist, but I know what that means and what that is, and I want to see a character express that. Then I think that is what is going to bring a character who may be doing these extravagant things into an area that we can easily become invested in. So for me, uh, I think Godhood is still a concept that is relevant and something that can really be played on to be interesting in the general mindset, because there's so many times where we see stories already where it's Greek mythology and we're remaking Zeus and the Titans and Wrath of the Titans. And we're making another movie about this. And it's really, I think it hits home to our fascination with what it means to attain these absurd levels of power. And then to have like flawed people deal with that. And so, so that's really cool. I mean, like I loved Evan Almighty, you know, growing up and whatever. Uh, so seeing like a really incompetent guy get the powers of God was, was fun. But then with Thanos, you have like this dangerously efficient nihilist with trying to attain this power. So for me, it's just interesting to watch like, oh, is he going to get it? I think he's going to get it. And it's one of those like, I'm on the edge of my seat because I think he's and he eventually does. Like you said, like in the Infinity Gauntlet, he gets that power and then he builds in a way for himself to lose. And so there's so many facets there where uh, as long as you pair godhood with uh i guess you could call it uh human nature it it morphs itself into i think endless possibilities i absolutely agree i think the interesting thing you're saying you know you're interested in sort of godhood because being religious that's something that like is an interesting sort of area to explore i think part of my problem with godhood specifically not godlike characters not powerful characters but like the actual term, like, god and godlike as it's used in something like Marvel Comics, is that very often Marvel doesn't really explore the implications of, like, the god part. It's, oh, they're powerful, and now we're going to kill a bunch of people because that's what you do when you get powerful. Or they're powerful, and now we have to write them out of the books because we don't want to have to deal with the implications of that. Like, Marvel could write a really interesting book just sort of actually addressing the actual implications of, you know, if Thanos achieved yeah. godhood, what does that mean? And because, like, right now, in comic books, as comic books stand, and by no fault of the characters of the original writers, being a god in Marvel comics essentially means you're just another big guy from superheroes to beat up when they themselves aren't be busy being gods. Yeah. Well, that's more of a sentiment on modern comic book writing. <laughs> uh, um. One thing that the Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet, I think, does on uh, talking about Godhood, which I thought was very fascinating, was when uh, Thanos officially gets uh, officially ascends and becomes Eternity. 
uh, and he sees the fertility of it all, and mm-hmm. literally, it, 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 when he loses, and at the end, he becomes a farmer, and he realizes, I saw the future, I, I saw all of time and space happening all at once, and I realized it didn't matter. And I thought that was very interesting to uh, to just take godhood and go, well, you can do all this, you can see all this, but would it drive you insane? Because it drives Nebula insane in Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for Thanos, he goes, I, I'm not worthy of it, I'm done. And it goes and becomes a farmer. I actually really like that, and I think that's an interpretation of his character I would like to see stick for a really long time, though, you know, obviously, we're about to hit more Infinity stuff, so... But, yeah, no, that 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 is something that really works because that even though it's a tiny bit of a cop-out because you know we're not talking about like an it also is still very much addressing that sort of what does it mean well we don't know what it means because for a, a big answer because no one can answer that but for thanos it means i'm gonna go be a farmer which mm. is a good answer in my opinion i agree with that um i was just gonna add that the thing that i find it interesting about thanos's character and comparing him to godhood is that for me he was kind of the first i don't know villain that i saw that actually won and i was i guess i like earlier like brandon said how you kind of like oh is he gonna do it is he gonna do it you didn't think he was gonna do it because usually in marvel comics they don't somebody comes in and they're stopped in some way or something happens and so it was super weird to have him win and i don't know it's always still it's even still shocking to me rereading it and to have him win because no one ever wins. So it was, I don't know. It's still just like an interesting concept that he won this whole time in both in comics and the film, but it's just, I don't know. It's weird. I don't, probably just me, but yeah. Man, you need to read some dark side stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, and daredevil, uh, daredevil, uh, specifically early daredevil, like Frank Miller era, 70, late seventies going into the eighties. Uh, that entire book is predicated on Matt always loses and the villains always win. Uh, and uh, to me, Marvel, uh, I, I, it's weird talking about this in the modern age because we have a very different view on this. I had a discussion with this with my society. To me, Marvel was always the human uh, sort of side of the comics where all the characters were very human level. You could understand them in a certain way. And then DC had godlike beings that were embodiments of a particular concept. So Wonder Woman represents truth. Batman represents justice. Superman represents hope, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You had some crossover here and there of characters uh, uh, like Captain America uh, or the question uh, being more like the other company, but existing in that company. Uh, but I often see that the villains win more in a Marvel comic than I do in a DC comic. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, like, there's... How do I even explain it? Because I've read something to this sort of effect, but it's like, Batman loses a lot. But we don't hear about Batman losing because the general fan vibe around Batman is like, you know, you see those arguments online, Batman versus Superman, who wins? Batman versus Green Lantern. Like, there's sort of a culture around those characters, which I do think stems from that fact, but inherently, I want to say you're right, that the DC heroes win more, but there's also like, one of my favorite scenes ever, in a comic book ever, is uh, there's this 
a woman, Saturn, Saturn girl in Legion of Superheroes. She has these two kids, right? But one of them mysteriously goes missing. And she knows it's Darkseid. And she knows there's no... They just recently kind of defeated him, but they couldn't defeat him by themselves. It took the entire force of pretty much every superhero known to man in their century, plus a god that they woke up to throw at him to kind of put him back to sleep. And so she shows up and she says, look, Dark said, I know you took my kid and I get it. You're evil. You're all powerful. I want him back. And Dark said shows up and he pops her kid down. And it, it was essentially this entire scene was built around the purpose of like, you cannot beat him. You can put him to sleep yeah. for a little while and he will stay there maybe for a century or two, maybe for a millennia if you're lucky, but you do not win because even asleep, he is able to make people disappear and rewrite all of time. And it's a really good scene, and it's indicative of the fact that, you know, I think DC, because its lead character is Superman, and it's, face it, really hard to beat Superman, does put on an aura of that, though I don't think it's necessarily true in all of it, especially today. If you look at, like, modern comics, there's more in common between Marvel and DC at this point oh, yeah. than there is different, and it, it just it gets so nitpicky and difficult to tell. Yeah, uh, in, in modern times it's definitely changed, but uh, but, but I was never I wasn't trying to imply that uh, DC characters never lose. It was just uh, it's just something I, I noticed because uh, oftentimes, uh, especially because of the movies, uh, people always approach me, uh, especially when I was running my society, like oh DC's dark and blah blah blah. And it's like uh-huh. no, that's not how that's <laughs> not how it ever was. Uh, yes. um, and it this is like uh, DC was inherently the more lighthearted company for many, yeah. many, many years. Well, and a huge but, part of it is comics code. I mean, comics code forced DC to put out a certain yeah. type of comics, and then Marvel showed up and was like, "How about no?" Nah. Which mm-hmm. definitely helped them a lot and built them as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but but to give an example, my favorite comic. The question ends with Vic leaving the uh, Hub City because he realizes heroes are useless, and I can't save the city. It will eat itself on its own sin, and I don't. I can't think of a more pessimistic end to a uh, to a superhero comic ever. There's just something about Thanos. I think that uh, is fascinating to see him win. Uh, but at the end of the day, he always does end up losing, I and mean, that's yeah. built into his character. Uh, I mean, an Infinity Gauntlet, Adam Warlock. Uh, has a plan that doesn't go quite to plan, and then Nebula gets a hold of the gauntlet and then screws everything up, and uh, Adam Warlock wins. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but there's something fascinating about seeing this guy win for a bit, and then we undo it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> No, yeah. Oh, were you gonna? Okay, I was just gonna say. Uh, I agree again uh, w- what you were saying, and I think it's interesting as you two were like showing the differences between Marvel and DC. And like, like you said, Claudia, I, I admit, yeah, uh, Thanos is easily a ripoff of Darkseid, but the the nature of the two of them is different. The same way that like old school DC and Marvel were different. The way you were saying, Kyle, they are where, very different characters. Yeah, yeah. One is one like in DC is the ideal where Marvel is maybe more human. So in DC, you have Darkseid, who, like you said, cannot be beaten. Like he is the essentially, if you're talking about the new gods, he would be the devil. Like he just was and is like evil, and you can stay him off. But at the end of the day, he's not. You don't beat him, like you were saying. But with Thanos, it's this dude who's like he's like literally I, I described him as a dude yeah you describe him as a dude and and he like is like just just 
trudging across the the cosmos, like just scraping by, trying to get and every mm-hmm. bit of power he can to finally get that godhood and then be the evil character. But it's two; they come from two two different starting points. You get introduced to Dark Side, and he's just stone cold. Yeah, and Dark Side is dude. like king from the get go, whereas Thanos yeah, has and that's whole awesome. underdog story kind of right. built in yeah 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 because the dark side has his own like evil planet and you're like what is happening this is awesome <laughs> but weird and thanos is just <laughs> like oh yeah no i will rule and i kind of rule but i'm gonna mess some stuff up like dark side but i gotta get there so come with me on this adventure and it's like okay both of them they're like everything about this is weird but i dig it and so okay let's go um there's a uh, the, I think the key difference between uh, Thanos and Darkseid, because uh, I because I get a lot of people are like oh, saying oh they're similar or they're ripoffs or whatever, and I don't really see it. Like their designs are similar; they started from a similar place, but ultimately they come. What what one comes from a guy taking a psychology class and being fascinated with a subconscious failure, and another one is Jack Kirby attempting to do uh, the Bible but with a twist in comic form. So um, they're inherently very different from the get-go, in my personal opinion, anyway. But I think the key difference is dark side, to me, anyway, is death. Uh, There's a moment, uh, one of the great adaptations, uh, everybody talks about this, one of the great adaptations is the DC animated universe. There's a moment where Superman meets dark side, and he says, who's dark side? And dark side Omega beams him. And to me, that instantly states exactly what Darkseid is. Thanos is uh, the guy who's chasing death. He wants to be with death, but he can never be that way because he's too flawed. We have the concept of the flawed hero, but we put it into a villain. Kyle, that was beautiful. Um, so with that being Thanks. said, we're going to jump into the next question. Is Jim Starlin the only one that truly understands a character? And if so, why do you think that is? Does the constant state of resetting a character, especially one who is so easily sliced into generic villain territory when his lessons aren't allowed to stick, is it ultimately harmful for these stories that Marvel produces and wants to tell? And why do they keep doing it if so? Very harmful. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I would say that... Um, in my personal opinion, I think Jim Starlin is the only one that gets the character. He did create the character, and while I'm not saying that only the person who creates the character understands the character, that is by no means the truth. My favorite character was reinterpreted by Denny O'Neill, and I think that's a definitive version. Uh, and Steve Ditko's version is interesting, but is not, to me, the definitive take. But Jim Starlin has devoted so much to this character to the point of continuing to write him in OGNs and uh, miniseries throughout uh, several years now. He, he, he was doing up until I think 2017 was the, the last one. I may be wrong on that. But he's clearly taking the character on a journey and an arc. And what's fascinating about Fennis, like we were saying earlier, is that he's an ever-changing villain. Uh, he's the, the flawed villain. Uh, and I don't – every time I see Thanos not written by Jim Starlin, I always see this smiling, cackling, crazy man, and I don't see that flawed villain that I quite like uh, in Jim Starlin's work. And now the constant state of resetting characters, that's that's a given with comics. Comics are constantly in flux. We're doing reboots, soft reboots. Uh, right now in DC, we have rebirth, which means continuity doesn't mean a thing. We're just picking and choosing what we want to keep and what we don't. Um, and you just got to get used to it. 
And it's annoying and it's very harmful to certain characters who constantly have to regurg- we constantly have to regurgitate either their main storylines or their arcs. Uh, and I certainly think it's harmful to Thanos, but uh it's just some it, it's it comes with the, the comics industry and you just kinda have to live with it. It does, but I also feel like there are writers and there are times when comics reboots and upsets status quo to reset status quo, and they do it intelligently. I think one of the things that can be frustrating, so I, I mean, I don't like Thanos particularly very much, like I could care one way or another. I think Starlin probably has a really good interpretation of the character, but I've seen like sort of a list of other people who've had a stab at him, and I looked at some of those writers, and I'm like, I bet you kind of understand this character and I would trust you to write Thanos all right um I do because I think like Keith Giffen or someone was on there I don't know um the thing with the whole like things not sticking is it's especially damaging for a godlike powered character because he is going like he's again they're using him essentially as like crossover cannon fodder which it is it, just so it's frustrating. It's not something that's going to change. And it's kind of a bummer because it makes it hard to just like, it's not hard to justify. It's just, it's just weird. And I wish they would do it a little more intelligently. Like they have other characters they could be using as this sort of thing. And they have writers who could pull this sort of thing off. But the, obviously the, what is it? Like we have an event pretty much every month now that we need to apparently sell books. God, kill me. Event fatigue is a thing, but that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, yeah. I just hate events, and they make me sad. (laughs) Yeah, okay, because, well, yeah, the event going on right now is very interesting. Infinity Wars, because we got to tie into the movie and talk about the Infinity Stones. But, uh, I mean, again, taking it back to Thanos and... um, if he's if Jim Starlin's the only guy who can write him, see, I'm I'm in the camp that I think you can have other writers write about like any character and have it be revolutionary. And especially, Grant Morrison, right, right. I, especially I think for Thanos because Jim Starlin, uh, hands down, of course, built the the guy up from from the from the ground up. But uh, I think also you have. I know you were saying Keith Giffen, but I think uh, Jonathan Hickman did great with Thanos oh, in Infinity. Yeah. Um, I personally really enjoy uh, Donny Cates on the the recent uh, Thanos Wins arc that's going on. Like his his kind of like out there brain really gives just vibrancy to the whole mythos of Thanos, and it might not be exactly the Thanos that we've all been used to, or at least uh, what he's been built up before by Starlin. But I think that gives credence to how we can get fresh life into these characters. Because I, I totally agree, Kyle, that the nature of comics is we it's a circle. You got to go back to the status quo because we're too, I don't know, afraid or stagnant, whatever the companies think, to move on to other characters. And if we do move on to another character, it's going to be very, very, very slowly, like uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales for the two Spider-Men. And it's like only now has Miles is finally getting a movie. And even then, it's he's not the only guy. You got to have Peter in the movie, too. But uh, in that kind of sense, if we can't change the characters because they think that that's like maybe they're branding, you know, almost where Marvel is saying we can't get rid of Thanos because everyone knows Thanos. And if we need a big bad, we have to use Thanos. Like, if okay, if you can't change Thanos and he has to go back to his default state, maybe get a new writer on there where they have a different interpretation of Thanos. So at least for us as the readers, 
we see it as maybe some type of progression of the character where once he was this flawed, like kind of humanistic character who wants to chase after that death, but now maybe he's going a little bit more crazy and maybe the next writer will make him go back to being a little bit more sane and something like that. As long as they don't break too far from character, I think that could maybe give a little bit of a way for the stories to continue to be interesting and grow. Yeah, bouncing off what uh, Brandon was saying, I agree that I was going to mention that actually. I think it would help a lot if he wasn't just doing the same thing every time. Well, similar to the same thing every time. Um, there's nothing really crazy from any rendition we get. I mean, the, obviously, there's different ways to portray him personality wise, who he is. Um, but he's always doing the same thing. He's just the big villain guy. You know him as the big villain guy. And if you've seen the movie, you know him as Josh Brolin. <laughs> so. <laughs> you like there's no kind of in between you know i'm either as a big dude or you josh brolin uh who also plays every other villain in the marvel universe but josh brolin is perfect he is great i love josh brolin <laughs> but yeah i think it's just more so i think what makes him generic or what makes him stuck in what he is is that he does the same thing kind of every time he always has one goal and while you can like i wouldn't mind keeping the goal the same like brandon was saying changing something maybe I don't know, making him have a realization. I don't know, like, I don't know, just altering something in some way would help make him less generic. I almost mm. wish we had a different villain to slot into the generic uh, cosmic villain role, just because it is, like, it is a role that's necessary. At a certain point in every superhero story, we've got to tell that story. And it's a pity that Thanos, who is a character where the creator has a super specific vision, keeps getting kind of run into that because I do think like in an ideal world, Starlin would be allowed to tell Thanos the story how he wants in his own, like wherever, you know, give him a book, give him multiple books, don't care. And then we'd have a different character who fundamentally is filling out the same role. The problem, I mean, and I've read this somewhere before, but like the problem of course is that the reason Thanos is the one that's used is because people like him. And the reason people like him is because Starlin had a very specific vision for him. So it's a bit of a, paradox conundrum there going it's on the, uh, it would be nice yeah it, it's um as a daredevil fan it's the uh it's the daredevil must always be dark thing that mark wade attempt to address where frank miller had a very particular vision for that character and every writer afterwards was trying to ape miller and some of them were more successful than others uh, like bendis uh but when mark wade came in he was like i want to do something different i want to I want to turn back time and go back to ways Stan Lee envisioned this character. Uh, and he got a lot of flack for it. Uh, and I think he actually did a pretty good job of blending the darker Daredevil with the more swashbuckly Daredevil. Uh, and so the problem ends up being when you have multiple writers sort of interpreting a character, which is what comics are based on. So it's kind of just, it's the snake eating its own tail kind of mentality. Uh, you get different interpretations of the character, and one of them ends up sticking. Uh, and we don't like, uh, in, especially in comics, uh, in the big two anyway, uh, in, in uh, indie stuff, you get a lot more of uh, breaking status quo. But in the big two, we kind of just stick to it because it's what's famous, it's what's well-known, and we want to have sort of like a comfort blanket so that we can have everybody uh, sort of enjoy the story and everybody has a jumpy on point. See, uh, I want to actually pose like kind of a branch off question from this and like the discussion that we're all having here where 
as much as uh, like we love Thanos and, and as much as people love Thanos and like you're saying, you can't really move him or, or, or swap him out for another character because people know him. Would you guys like, I guess personally as consumers of this stuff, be open to something like that where I know for me, when I saw an in infinity uh, by Jonathan Hickman, that Thanos had a son and literally Thanos, son is purple and looks like Thanos, just like skinnier and younger. And I was like, what? And they're like, oh yeah, this is his son. And I'm like, well, he looks exactly like him. And then recently in the Thanos book, um, Thanos returns by Jeff Lemire, uh, Thanos is dying. And Thane, Thane, again, Thanos, son's name is Thane. So it's like two letters off. But anyway, uh, the son is like, oh, cool. My dad's dying. I'm going to take over his empire. And I mean, of course, because it was a book coming out before Infinity War, they weren't going to kill off Thanos, Infinity War being the movie. Uh, and everyone was about to see Thanos. But I was thinking about that idea. Well, if we did kill Thanos, we have this other character who looks like him, is two letters off, is his son, so we can like, justify it. And he's almost as powerful because apparently Thanos is the father, but I think he's half inhuman. And I mean, that's like a curse word now in the cinematic universe because the show was trash. But you could maybe it's, redeem it. And you can throw humans are trash. Right. Just, just, don't, just don't say that. Just say, hey, this is Thanos' son. Um, who's his mom? Doesn't matter. His name is Thane. So you don't even have to like change the contact in your phone too much. Just delete two letters. And boom. And like in the, in the comic, he gets the Phoenix Force. And that's kind of cool. And I'm like, oh, so your your whole thing isn't the Infinity Gems. It's the Phoenix Force. That's different but similar. So my question is, like, if we were to have Thane be, like, the guy, would you, and maybe if, even if you were in charge of Marvel, if you were a writer, and you wanted to write a story about Thanos, but I'm, I'm an editor, and I'm saying, hey, use Thane. Please use Thane. You don't have to, but please, would you do that? Only to make him the most annoying powerful almighty brat in the universe but actually realistically like i love those sorts of characters like i love dakin and laura from like the like from the heroes i think love dakin and laura i love miles morales i love uh oh, uh uh god i just forgot vision's daughter's name holy crap and it's not that Viz? far off like by this viv right so there's bunches of me there's bunches of, like, legacy characters who fill out different types of roles on, like, the hero side of things. I'd be totally open to a good writer taking a character like that and running with it or introducing a new character. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm a comic book reader. I, I'm used to, like, just throw someone at me and it's someone's long-lost son. Sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, 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 like I was explaining, actually, uh, in the pre-show before we... Uh, end up starting recording was uh, I've always viewed uh, comics as uh, soap operas in printed form. So you can pick them up at any point in time, continue reading them. Uh, you just get the context of what the characters are saying to understand much like with a soap opera, you flip on the TV, you get the context of what the people are saying. And slowly over time, you begin to understand the unfolding storyline. And oftentimes it doesn't end up in a particularly well-written place. And then they have to write themselves out of a hole, but that's, that's uh, writing without an Indian mind in a nutshell. But um, I have no problem with the long lost son sort of stereotype uh, story, whatnot. And I think it would actually be quite interesting to take Thane uh, and do a parallel to his father um, and perhaps having this character uh, who is 
almost exactly like his father, except he doesn't have that crucial flaw, that he ultimately does become the villain that believes he's worthy of the power. Um, and where you have this sort of father-son relationship of the person who doesn't believe he's worthy because of this experience, his age, and you can have this interesting discussion about uh, sort of uh, father, or not only father-son relationships, but the way children, uh, especially in their teens, see themselves as invincible and they know everything. Uh, where he believes he's worthy, but his father is like, no, no one is worthy. I'd love to see Thane and Thanos go down. That'd be great. In that context, too, of like, is that like moving that character into sort of the big bad cosmic dude on the scene? Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't mind it. I it's it sounds generic, but it's not as generic as keep reusing Thanos' storyline. All seeing Infinity War, we all know kind of Thanos' millennial goal. He has like a millennial goal in the film that's different than the comics. So there's a kind of conversation going around that Thanos's concept or idea is not necessarily bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. There's like some sort of something inside of it that makes sense, but ultimately the way he goes about it obviously is really dumb, but the, I guess the main goal that he wants makes sense. So the question is focusing on, Thanos' quest in the film and if there is a good concept inside of what they did with him or did it falter or did you think it faltered in some way or did it not make sense, uh, etc. He was fine for what it was. Um, uh, I, I'm on the camp of much preferring the comic Thanos, but I'm not going to say that film Thanos was bad. I quite enjoyed film Thanos. Um, but at the end of the day, it kind of feels like we took Thanos and made him Rachel Ghoul. And people may not quite understand what I'm saying when I say that. So Rachel Ghoul is an eco-terrorist that believes humanity is overusing Earth's natural resources and is destroying Earth. So what is he going to do? He's going to overload the Lazarus pits so that all of humanity is wiped out and Earth is restored to its natural beauty with all its resources and in all its sort of uh, green splendor. Uh, Thanos believes the entire universe is uh, we're growing too overpopulated. We're, re- we're using too many of these uh, resources and people are starving. So let's destroy half the population so people no longer are starving. We don't overuse the resources and stuff like that. It turns him into a different kind of villain. Uh, a villain with an understandable ends, but not a justifiable means, which is a good concept for a villain. It just doesn't feel like Thanos to me, ultimately. But it is enjoyable to watch. I um, If the question is about morality in regards to like his goal, I'm going to be that guy and say, do you know how large the universe is? We ain't <laughs> even running out of resources. Like, like, Okay, so if all the human beings lived in a city pop- dense with a population density besides like like New York, we'd all fit into like Texas. It's some stupid like metric like that. Like, at, what's actually going on on Earth aside? Because we do have like resource problems that those are often caused by things not actually related to our population and more related to who actually has control of resources. Um, and like what we're choosing to do with it, right? There are more practical ways to farm, but we choose not to farm that way because of money or infrastructure or whatever. Um, 
The universe is large. And nothing in the previous space-faring movies in this franchise, right, like uh, Thor or Guardians of the Galaxy, has demonstrated that bunches of people are just out there starving. So for me personally, I can't really seriously address the question of is there a good intent here? Because just from a, like, like a mind immersion sort of place, I can't even take the concept of us needing to take that drastic measures seriously. Like I get that it's kind of topical given like sort of everything that's happening currently with, you know, natural disasters, global warming, all that stuff. But at the same time, when you're looking at that kind of scale, this is just a classic example of sci-fi writers forgetting how fucking big space is. Like that's just, <laughs> it's not even within the realm of possibility that anyone is running out of resources. Like we've seen what, like four alien races in all of the Marvel universe at this point. Like, it just, it just, it's a bizarre thing. And then, of course, even if the way you're splitting humans up is random, it's still in, like, its own way very echoey of countries that go, well, we don't have enough resources for all these people, so they're going to go over here. Like, it's borderline, uh, it's borderline genocide. He's not splitting people up by race. Well, the problem is he's not eliminating a specific. He's not eliminating a specific group. So by definition, it's kind of not genocide. But I I think we can safely say it's like genocide mentality. There's probably a better word for it, but like it's right up there, right next to genocide. Same. It's it's uh, genocide light trademark. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, pretty. Yeah. I mean, I. I don't want to agree, but yeah, basically. I just thought it was weird how he wanted to get rid of half of the population, but also, like, superheroes were in on that, too. So, like, they also vanished. So I was, like, I get the regular human beings, but they're not really regular human beings, are they? That brings up a different question, right? He got rid of plants. He got rid of ants. Like, he attacked all the life. It's half of life in the entirety of the universe. So it's everything down to the smallest amoeba. Just, just yeah. such a bullshit way to level. The but point. that's why I was like, they really had to put in the superheroes in there. Like they couldn't work that any way. They had to say, you know what? We're going to get rid of half of the population, but like we have to say every single bit of the population in order for like Captain America to be included in on it. I suppose. Yeah, though yeah. honestly, I mean, even though they're superheroes, they're still mostly people, except yeah. for ones that are aliens. Yeah, and I, even they, it's yeah. universal population. Yeah, so exactly. Aliens will be affected. Yep. You know what? I think. I'm, oh, I was just gonna say. I I'm gonna try to play Thanos' advocate here because oh. I of, of course of course uh, like it's ridiculous to kill people to try to cull the population. Like that's really really not okay. I'm glad you added the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to get in his headspace and in the headspace of hashtag Thanos did nothing wrong because that's a real <laughs> hashtag and I find that amazing that so many people wholeheartedly believe that. I don't, but I it was I Josh kind Brolin. If it wasn't it, Josh Brolin. Oh yeah, no. His charisma is insane. It's like, oh, okay, you know what? I don't want to die, but man, you're charming. Okay. Um, as as someone who hasn't really investigated the hashtag but has seen the subreddit, Thanos did nothing wrong. I think it's mainly meant as a joke, at least for the yeah. majority of them. I because I've seen some people's like maybe because the internet gives birth to everything, but I'm pretty sure there's some people that wholeheartedly are like, no, 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 this is right. He he was right. I. 
I'm not joking. This is true. And that's, that's scary to me. I see a lot of that on Twitter. Reddit is more so like the funny kind of aspect of social media, but on Twitter, I see people actually serious. I mean, obviously the internet kind of amplifies sort of the worst aspects of any opinion. Uh, Oh yeah. So like, I, I definitely take it with a grain of salt, but it's also hilarious. Um, Again, it's just, I can't take the argument seriously when we're talking about scales as large as the universe. Like, the universe ain't running out. Of, we don't know how big it, like, just, uh, yeah. they're not running out it, of resources. They can't. You brought up an excellent point, Claudia, about the, there was no foreshadowing of not at all. any kind of uh, resource problems in, in any of the Guardians films or uh, any film that dealt with space uh, in the MCU. And that's ultimately the problem is that I love the MCU. I quite enjoy it, and I'm really glad that people are experiencing these characters. And I'm really glad that a lot of them, uh, at least the ones I have met, uh, who've never read comics are going to see these films and wanting to get into comics. But at the same time, they pretend like they have this ongoing plan and this ongoing idea of where they're going with these films. But if you actually break it down, there are 20 billion continuity problems, and they didn't know what they were doing with Thanos at all. You got, oh, you got his first appearance in Avengers, which makes uh, makes mention of death. We never do anything with her. Uh, all the Infinity Gems, or Infinity Stones, as they call them in the MCU, are the wrong colors, because they didn't know which gem was which until they got to Infinity War. Uh, it's, it's small things like that. And so there was no foreshadowing of why Thanos wanted to do what he did. It was just like, we got to Infinity War, oh, now, now we now know what he's doing and why. And it just kind of comes out of left field. I think that's why they made him have the goal that he had in Infinity War, because they could have used the, the same old one. He's always had impressing Lady Death, but they didn't do anything enough with it to continue it. So they were like, oh, shit, we got to think of something because we haven't really continued what we said through five movies ago. Whoops. So then they kind of had to revamp it, I guess. Yeah, I also think in, in so in defense of Thanos' crazy idea, you could make the argument tentatively that the reason there's no foreshadowing is because he's looking into the far future, right? This is a guy with a lot of power who gazes into like wells of knowledge and shit. Like <laughs> there's a theoretical. Or he's thing. just always high. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a theoretical <laughs> there that could kind of defend him, but I'm more lean towards the fact they should have done a little more work foreshadowing. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yes. Also, just just on the point of being high all the time, I really <laughs> hope that Marvel just makes a kind of one-off joke comic called Infinity Stoned, where like he's <laughs> that was stoned. That good. That's just I'm. I thought about that. I was like, that's the perfect pun word. Just stoned. Infinity Stoned. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that might be Avengers Four, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, that's the it, that's the title. That's why they didn't want to release it because it spoils the whole movie that Thanos okay. is high the whole time, and this whole movie was a acid trip. That's oh man, that's so good. Um, if Avengers four, if, if Avengers four is just Clint Barton and Kate Bishop getting high, um, I I would watch that without a without a second thought. Oh, go through insane. the entirety of Avengers four, make it dead serious, and then at the very end, that's the like stupid teaser tag at the end of the credits oh my gosh that would wow, the entire world would it would erupt in anger and i would i would pay three times over for it though 
<laughs> yeah, no, but I think we because the same way we were saying, oh, the universe can't run out of resources. We've we've seen like four planets. I think that also again, I I think we want to give the writers of Marvel maybe as much leeway as possible because I I agree they probably didn't have a plan, but assuming they did we did also only see four planets. If the universe is made up of hundreds of trillions of billions of planets, uh, then I don't know, four is a really small sample size. And if Thanos is like, nah, I've, I've looked at the universe and we're definitely running out of resources. I don't know you. I'm inclined to believe you. You don't seem like, I mean like, yeah, you're evil, but you don't lie though. You're okay. Sure. Did you do yeah. the math? Like to throw some science, did you make a log- logarithmic, uh, growth model? Are we really? Oh, okay, then fine. Yeah, sure. We're probably going to hit the cap soon. What's your idea, Thanos? Oh, you want to kill half of us. That's pretty brutal. But mathematically speaking, okay. Like, yeah, that's fine. But he's killing half your plants. He's killing half your plants, too, which ultimately just means you're back to the same amount of resources in a lot of places. Yeah, the the least they could have done is like in Guardians 1, a large majority of Guardians takes place on Nova Prime. Yeah. The space cops, literal space cops, they could have just inserted a random line in somewhere of, oh, blah, the blah planet is uh, the, the, the half their population is starving. We should probably do something. Obviously, you would write that much better. Uh, and I write much better when I'm not off the cuff. But, uh, you know, so, something like that, something to get people thinking the universe is overpopulated. Or even just something where people would then like watch this movie and then someone rewatching Guardians afterwards would be like, oh, look, they foreshadowed it. Like that stuff goes a long way, I think, towards making these yeah. events not feel forced. I, I think the closest we got to that was, um, I think Sakaar is what they call it in Thor Ragnarok, that junk planet that they land on. Because yeah. for the, the most part. the end of part- the universe, isn't it? Yeah, is it at the end of the universe? See, I'm, it's nebulous where it is for me. I don't know where it's located. I mean, but it's, uh, not it's like a master. weird place. Yeah, because the city is extravagant, but when they first land, they land basically in a junk pile, and you see like people living in the junk, and I'm like, oh, so there's a lot of poverty here. And for the most of the movie, we're not going to deal with that because for some reason that's boring to deal with like socioeconomic demographics, but... Oh, yeah. No, there is, like, a, a problem. It's very, very subtle. And that's, like, the only movie they really show it in because it's one of the only space movies that has, I think, the opportunity to. I mean, I guess Guardians, they could have showed it more. But there's a lot of crime, I guess, because they, they just go to a bar and the head of a dead celestial and everybody's a ruffian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Ragnarok is I I I'm a bit I have a bit of a controversial opinion. I'm not a big fan of Ragnarok. I can understand why people enjoy it. It's a very funny film. I'll give it that. I just don't quite enjoy it um, uh, on a writer level because it brings up so many interesting ideas, but only lightly touches on it because we got to get to the next joke. Um, and it doesn't spend enough time actually analyzing those ideas, like, like in a, a, a planet that is poverty-ridden and its uh, its central form of income is a gladiatorial arena. That's a very interesting concept, which we've touched on in like Star Trek and other sci-fi properties, but we do nothing with it. It's just meant as a joke so we can get Jeff Goldblum on the screen. Uh, and that's why ultimately, that's why which I, I don't mind. I mean, just, you know, <laughs> shout out to Jeff. Shout out to Jeff Colvin. It's an it's enjoyable in a comedy sort of way, but I just have a problem with the fact that it doesn't touch on any of the, the subjects. Which 
once again, uh, as Brandon was saying, is it was a it was a film that they could have used, especially because it's only what a year, uh, less than a year out from Infinity War yeah. to actually start seeding this. Yeah, and I think in that regard, it's really the best word is shitty because they. I mean, for lack of better wording, they did the Thor universe really horrible. And I, by the time they got to Ragnarok, they were like, oh, shit, we got to save this real quick. Oh, Guardians did really well. You know, they didn't make jokes. So then they tried to, I think, adapt that. So the Thor universe can kind of be revamped, which really sucks because I didn't think the first two were that bad. I mean, I thought they were whatever for what they were, but I didn't think that they were that bad. Yeah. As, as a fan of JMS's run, which is a very introspective, character-driven, slow-paced Thor comic... Um, seeing comedy Thor just wasn't my taste, but that's off topic. I mean, yes, this is very off topic, and I actually enjoyed Thor Ragnarok a lot, in part because Loki is a character that I'm very fond of, and I felt like the earlier Thor movies were doing really weird, not, like, it just, they were doing stuff with that character I didn't wholly understand, and I didn't think were, like, it, it, other topic, other time, we should totally do an entire thing on Thor, by the way, just say, but yeah, Thor. And I was actually going to mention, um, Loki too, talking about like generic villains. They do him so dirty in the films. He's so generic. He does the same thing every time. And it's like, yeah. it's so shitty that they do him like that. Cause Loki's actually a really good comic character. Yeah. Oh, he has so many. Yeah. He's got so many like facets and he's done in such an interesting way in the comics where like, I feel like almost any writer can pick him up and tell a story with him, and it almost doesn't feel out of character because he is a multifaceted, like, inherently, as a god, sort of manifests in these multiple ways, which is just an interesting thing I've always really liked about his character in comics. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, Getting back on topic. Uh, That one actually wasn't that far off topic because we were talking about generic villains. Um, But, so... I want to open up to you guys to just ask some questions or have a discussion or anything on your mind about Thanos. Um, whatever kind of you want to mention, talk about, or you can go on a rant yourself if you want. Okay. Um, I think one thing that I want to say that I enjoyed, and maybe I'll, I'll pose it to you guys if you want to talk about this, uh, especially maybe you, Kyle, because you seem to know a lot more, at least than me, uh, about Thanos, is I enjoyed the streamlined nature of his family that they did in the movies where they're like oh gamora nebula they are his daughters they were like kidnapped and boom that's that's basically all you need to know because i you know doing more research into it and learning about it myself i was like oh nebula's technically his granddaughter that's interesting and that's cool but when you know when you're in a movie setting you only have like an hour and a half to get everything you need in there so i kind of enjoyed that they streamlined it in the movies where i know some people might be upset but uh, for me, I was like, cool. And I talked to my friend who didn't know anything about the comics. And I had written an article on the Daily Fandom about like, oh, worst fathers in, in comics. And I was like, Thanos is the worst because like he does terrible things. And I mentioned about uh, Nebula being his granddaughter. And my friend was like, oh, I thought in the movies like and I was like, oh, no, no, it's different. And he was like, oh, that's that's interesting and weird. But I just saw it as like, a, oh, yeah, they do change it in the movies. And I like that because it's uh, much smaller hurdle for people to get on board with because you're like this is an unkillable titan monster and he's got children we don't need to talk about his grandchildren he just he just has children um i don't mind the 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 changing the grandchildren to children i actually thought uh it was actually a good move not only does it help introduce people to those characters in a more uh sort of consumable fashion but 
it also gives them a more immediate deal. Like your grandfather does something, you're going to be upset about it. Uh, but if your father does something, you're going to be really upset about it because that's your immediate family, your immediate family being your mother and your father and any siblings. So it gives a much more immediate personal connection between Nebula and Gamora and Thanos, which I think forms this very interesting triangle uh, to examine. Now, as far as the rest of his family, I was really upset that Star Fox, his brother, oh. is just killed off. Like, we kill off the rest of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Just, they're all dead, which I was annoyed with because I like Star Fox. Star Fox is problematic, though, because, like, he's cool, but his name is copyrighted by Nintendo. And you just call him Heroes at that point. Oh, yeah, yeah. But see, that's the, that's the two-pronged problem. One, he's copyright. And two, his power is like a, a roofie. Like, his power is de- essentially <laughs> like date rape. And I'm like, that's not okay, man. <laughs> I have to agree. Yeah, I was going to bounce off uh, with the whole daughter-granddaughter yeah. situation. And I, I want to say I think that they did that in the films because they didn't... I mean, we get... Guardians films with like Nebula and Gamora, but I don't, I mean, to my, my personal opinion, they weren't really developed that well. They were developed okay. So I think if you would have made like Nebula the granddaughter, it wouldn't have made sense in Infinity War and would have been like, okay, like who cares? You know, I think changing them to the daughter, you're like, oh, we've been seeing them in two films. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense. We have some sort of connection to her. Now we get it. But I think if it was a granddaughter, it wouldn't have as much of a sting as it would because you're just like, oh, that's just the granddaughter. Okay. Like, bye nebula see you later uh sort of thing as opposed to making them like an immediate family member like kyle was saying yeah um and it it does it it does the changing the family members thing much better than uh than just the justice league film did where they make um steppenwolf uh dark side's nephew instead of his uncle which is just dumb it's incredibly dumb and i hate that uh because he should be his uncle that's just Whatever, but it, changing it where Darkseid's always on top seems antithesis to Darkseid's journey, but that's another topic. But it does, it, I think it just allows people to connect to that relationship, that abusive father relationship they have in a much more interesting way than if they were granddaughters. Yeah, I agree with that. Definitely agree with that 100%. Does anybody else have any last minute questions, thoughts? Thank you, Brandon, by the way. Not particularly. I mean, I do think they should put Thanos back in a box for a little while and revisit him later, but, like, obviously not yeah. going to happen. I, I absolutely agree. I think uh, he's been the big bad for so long. I think we should just put him to the side, let another character have the limelight. It's it's what I say about Batman all the time. Let's put him yeah. to the side for a bit, let some side characters have their thing, and then bring him back. You know? Oh, Basically also, pulling also, a Bucky Barnes. Yes. That's true. Yeah, but no, nobody liked Bucky Barnes except Ed Brubaker, which is why he brought him back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I pose one real quick last question? Because uh, I heard this floating around, and I thought it was really interesting in regards to uh, Thanos being the big bad after like 10 years of buildup, which was, um, do you think that this was a right choice? Like, as much as we've been talking about Thanos and how we love, hate him, what they did with him, whatever, do you think it was a good idea for Marvel? At eight, it was like 10 years ago 
Josh Whedon was at the, you know, at the end of his movie, he's like, oh, I'm going to throw in a little teaser trailer for something. And he just threw in Thanos. Like, do you think that was overreaching? Because the way we've read and we've seen with Thanos, he's the big bad of the Marvel Universe, essentially equivalent to Darkseid, if you will. So do you think that, or because maybe back then they didn't know that the MCU would go on this long, but do you think it was good for them to be like, yeah, no, eventually we're going to get to Thanos. Or do you think that's like, where do we go from here? That's a peak. What are we going to do? Uh, Kang the Conqueror, which is cool, but should Kang have been first and then we do Thanos? Or is this Thanos being the first villain what gave the MCU its like kick, its agency? Yeah. Um, I'm not a legal person, but if memory serves, Kang is wrapped up with uh, the Fantastic Four and Fox. So yes. until, yeah, until they recently, yeah. they didn't have the rights to Kang. However, I think Kang would have been the better choice. Personally, I think he's a more interesting villain. Uh, I really like Kang. Uh, but I also like time travel stories, so it sort of fits into my sort of guilty pleasure uh, but I think Thanos was chosen, I think, out of the blue because one of their more famous events is Infinity Gauntlet. Everybody knows Infinity Gauntlet, even if you don't read comics. I've encountered people before the film, before Avengers came out, that at least knew about the yellow gauntlet with the multiple gems. Uh, people know about that because uh, it's so iconic. So I think throwing that in as a teaser uh, by Joss Whedon was actually a pretty good move. It's just that the MCU moved on without Joss Whedon and uh, went a completely different direction with him and has sort of leaned their entire franchise on he's the villain, he's the big bad. It ultimately leads to the question of where we're going to go from here on, and they already have planning problems, as we discussed previously, so it's, it's a complicated mess. So I would say about three things. The first is that I wouldn't necessarily pin the entire blame on Joss Whedon because there's no way they let him put someone as big as Thanos into his movie without that getting approval from overhead. And by the time of Avengers, they very much had a plan, even if they yeah. did it somewhat poorly. Um, I would also say that, yes, I would have said it was a mistake if it weren't for the fact that very recently they acquired the Fantastic Four. And presumably yeah. other related rights. I mean, they got their Spider-Man back. So essentially, where can they go from here? Galactus, probably. Um, they can go other places if they want. But like, they do have a couple more cosmic villains they can bring out of the woodwork if they want to keep hitting these big cosmic villains sort of highs. I also personally think they're going to just spin this into a straight reboot of their movie line so that they don't have to worry about planning long term. So instead of it being, because we're at like 20 plus movies at this point. So it, what they're probably going to do is, after this major event, restructure and reshuffle their cinematic universe a little bit, and then create a new plan for what they want to do with what is hopefully going to be a new set of characters, considering that we're bringing in like some new faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say um, that Marvel kind of knows what they're doing all the time. So I feel like they had in it's the, been the big question is do the comics follow the movies or do the movies follow the comics? So it's that main question of like, I'm sure they had some idea that infinity wars was going to reboot, come out with its own comic series. Like they kind of know their comics ahead of time or like ideas for comics. Cause they're usually years in the making or at least somewhat in the making. Oh, uh, the amount of events they have going on. I bet they only planned it out a few months in advance. Honestly, I wouldn't doubt it, but I would, I would hope uh, this is me hoping. Uh, I would hope that they oh. ahead of time. Um, 
But I think they had some idea that they were going to reboot this whole Infinity War thing. Or like Kyle was saying, since everybody knows about it, everybody kind of has some vague idea of Infinity War that they were going to try and spin it or bring it back. And so maybe like before the movie came out, they were like, okay, we're going to have this Infinity War comic coming out, but we got to have a movie also to tie with it because it wouldn't make sense um so i don't know i feel like they always knew even if they didn't know that it was kind of going to be something big and something that they could either leave off or something that they could like they're trying to say make a whole reboot of the whole kind of avengers and killing off people that's a whole thing but uh that's a thing in itself kind of doing the whole all new different avengers movies but um, yeah, I, don't know, I feel like they probably always had an idea that they were only going to have a contract with certain people for so long. And so they were going to have to do something. I mean, I definitely think that, like, I, I do not think that the comics were planned that far ahead. Like, that's way too long for comic yeah. books. Because writers only last a year at most on a book, a few years if they're, like, very well known. Uh, the book, event that's happening right now was probably planned six months ago for the fact that they released the movie. But famously, Marvel has been very bad at having their comic book continuity match up with their movie continuity. For instance, oh, yeah. a, new, a new Thor movie would come out, but then Jane Foster would be Thor, so people would pick up a Thor book and not know what was going on. And this has been like a famous problem for them. But the movies I, were planned, for sure. The movies were at least somewhat planned, even if they kind of went in a different direction than they were originally intending, especially because they lost certain creative people along the way. But like the comics, the comics are just... A mess and like like given the turnover rate at those companies for people on books they could not have planned the current event going on right now more than maybe six months to a year ago um it was no yeah that's what I, I meant like i didn't mean 10 years i meant like six months to a year like they kind of knew like okay we could spin this off into something well yeah, for sure. the way the way marvel worked specifically because bendis has talked about this in interviews um, the Marvel Summit happens either in late December or early January, uh, depending on the year and people's availability. Uh, and all the writers and artists get together and they discuss their plans for the retrospective books or respective, not retrospective, uh, books. Uh, and uh, they talk about storylines, if it's going to interfere with anybody's plans for a character that may cross over. And then they talk about big major events. And because the movies have gotten so big, oftentimes it's tie in the big summer event to the movie that's coming out. So Civil War is coming out, so we got to do Civil War 2. Infinity War is coming out, so we got to do Infinity Wars, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, which makes sense. Mm. Yeah, any last thoughts on anything, Thanos, anything about the film, anything about death? Rest in peace. Uh, No, we need more death, but kind of rest (laughs) in peace. (laughs) Yeah, no. I think uh, maybe my last thought is just, I think it's cool that so many people now know who Thanos is. Like to go back to where I started, like I started thinking he was a scroll because I saw scrolls on the cartoon and I'm like, wrinkly chin must equal what I know. Cause I'm, you know, a, a whatever high school or sophomore. And I think I know everything. So now it's like, Oh no, there's this whole big breadth of comics and creativity that uh, me and the world had no idea about. And now I can go down the street and be like, hey, you know about Thanos? And they're like, yeah, I know about Thanos. And back in the day, that was like fighting words because it's super nerdy and whatever. So I think it's cool. I'm excited that uh, Thanos, for his many changes and his many different forms and faces, is now 
in the pop culture and in the zeitgeist and stuff like that is is being i guess groomed to to increase our creativity and to just increase our love of flawed characters seeking godhood yeah i agree with that and i also um I'm also not mad that they chose Josh Brolin. So I'm not like, I think they actually chose a really good person to play Thanos. So I'm, I I hope they do really cool things with Josh Brolin. And as always, thank you so, so much for listening. We appreciate all of the ears and eyes, I guess, that are listening to this podcast. We appreciate it. As always, stay awesome, stay nerdy, and stay writing that great fan fiction that we read every week for our Fanfic Fridays. We will see you next time, same time, same place. We are back. We took a small, small, small break for a few months over the summer, but we are back and we are doing more podcasts. And hopefully these topics and and what we talk about will spark up a discussion and spark up a conversation And as everything will be linked, as everything will be written, maybe um, you should be able to have a more interactive experience with this podcast. So we are super excited at the Daily Fandom about how things are moving forward and getting bigger and better. So we appreciate all the love and support that everyone gives us for this podcast. It started as just a little hobby for the CEO. And now here we are. So it's really awesome to see it develop into something great. So today... I hope you enjoyed us talking about Thanos and his quest and his redemption, if he has one, and and who he is and everything about Thanos. So we appreciate it. Stay awesome. Stay nerdy. Stay writing the fan fiction. We will see you next time.